Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts carol g juan gabriel christina aguilera what do these three have in common you mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct. But most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Doug McIntyre in for John and Ken. And yes, this is technically the very last John and Ken show. Tomorrow, KFI is proud to debut the John Cobalt Show right here from 1 to 4 every day. And I remind you, KFIAM640.com forward slash listen. So go there and listen. If you can't listen on the radio, go find it through your phone or wherever. Uh, what, pick it up on your molars. Sometimes people could do that, right? You got fillings in your teeth. You could pick up radio frequencies. I sound great on your teeth, by the way. Oftentimes better on your teeth than I do in your ears. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, tons to talk about, uh, including we're hoping to be joined by Ann Speckard in just a bit to talk about this uh, follow-up on an article I talked about on Friday about the incredible and really chilling rise in violent threats against public officials across party lines, by the way. It's, there's not one side or the other that uh, is in the lead on this. It's pretty evenly split between left and right on people getting threatened uh, by oftentimes anonymous uh, callers or emailers, et cetera. So we'll get into that in just a bit. But of course, the big story here locally is and has been the $700 million man with Shohei Otani staying in Southern California, but changing addresses, uh, trading Angels Red for Dodger Blue. And later on, we'll talk with David Vassay, 
the uh, L.A. Dodgers from our sister station, AM570. He's going to get into the weeds on that. And the president of Penn uh, is out and Alex Jones is in. The whole nature of hate speech versus free speech uh, is on the table in a big way. It's very complicated, and we're going to dig into that as well. But I want to circle back, as I mentioned, on Friday, uh, I was I was just absorbed by this uh, big CNN article on the level of violence and the threat of violence that has been directed towards uh, public officials. And this has been going on for a long time, obviously. By the way, it's going on. Uh, I mean, assassination uh, was described by Theodore Roosevelt as an occupational hazard. And, of course, Theodore Roosevelt was shot in 1912 in Milwaukee when he was uh, running for president. And that gave rise to the term the Bull Moose Party because after he got shot, he said, I'm as fit as a bull moose. And he actually went and gave a speech for an hour after taking that uh, that shot to the chest. It's a little insane. But what's equally insane is the vitriol and extremism that is running rampant. And to talk to us about this right now is a woman who literally makes a study of this. She's with the International Center for the Study of Violent Extremism. And it's a pleasure to welcome the show, Anne Speckard. Anne, thanks for being with us. Appreciate it. Um, uh, it's a joy to be with you. Uh, so first, as I understand it, and this is I've hardly made a study of it, but this phenomenon uh, is not just relegated to the United States. It seems to be a global phenomenon. And uh, first of all, would you agree with that statement or are we worse than other countries? Well, I, I think uh, domestic violent extremism is growing in the Western world. And we're seeing news really polarized and we're seeing the rise of um, what a lot of people refer to as far right movements. So like the Netherlands just uh, elected Gert Wilders and his um, more extreme right party. So we're seeing that in Europe as well. I don't know if we're seeing threats to um, public officials the same at the same level. And certainly most countries don't have the plethora of availability of guns that we do. Uh-huh. Now, uh, and one of the other, I believe, by the way, the Germans are also, uh, one of the leading candidates to be chancellor of Germany is also uh, a conservative, a right-wing party. That would be a big step uh, that they haven't taken in Germany since the end of the uh, Nazi regime. I'm not, not equating the candidate as a Nazi. I'm just saying that they have stayed as a sort of a social, liberal, uh, democratic society for a very long time. But the political pendulum swinging back and forth is a different thing than the actual threat of physical violence, which is not just directed at uh, prominent uh, political figures, although that's certainly the case. I mean, it even goes to things like school boards and to uh, you know, state house people and city councilors and relatively low-level public officials. Election officials, uh, yeah, right. people that aren't being paid a lot, that are doing their public duty, and they're getting threats, and they don't want to go to their jobs because they're scared. Journalists? Yeah, and in Mexico, for instance, uh, journalists are constantly under attack, uh, being mm. murdered on a regular basis. Uh, what was surprising... 
about this uh, study, and this was a CNN report that uh, goes on for page after page. But the breakdown on some of the threats that came in is pretty interesting. It's, and I'm quoting from CNN now. During the combined Trump and Biden eras, Republicans and Democrats were targeted almost evenly. 82 threats leveled at named Republican officials and 80 threats against named Democrats that led to federal charges. Now, again, these are only, uh, you know, it's, we're talking about uh, 162 uh, incidents, but these 162 incidents were ones that directly led to federal uh, criminal charges. So there's many, many, many others that don't lead to federal charges. Yeah. It could be state charges. Exactly. And or, if you get charges that, you know, they they feel that they have the evidence that they can take it to a, a full prosecution. Uh, what, in your opinion, since you are with the uh, International Center for the Study of Violent Extremism, what do you ascribe this to? Is it is it specifically the tenor of the times or does the uh, does the reach of new technology also fuel this, that people have the ability to say outrageous things with a degree of anonymity? I think that anonymity matters. So we find that when people are in mobs and crowds and they cover their faces, they'll be more violent. So we know that people go further when they're anonymous. But really what I see feeling it is uh, polarized news. So this is the first time recently in recent history that um, people are following a certain reality. So like if you watch Fox News, you're getting one reality. If you watch MSNBC, you're getting another reality. And the two never meet. And it didn't used to be that way. It used to be we had three channels, two channels, and Walter Cronkite or Dan Rather telling us what was reality and what was the news. And maybe people were disputing it, but it wasn't completely different and you're just getting it fed to you. Then if you add the Internet to that and all the algorithms on all the social media sites, what happens is if somebody's following one line of thought, they go down a rabbit hole. And they go into an echo chamber where they just keep hearing more and more and more. And it might be outrageous things. It might be untrue things. And nowadays we have this possibility of disinformation that you can make it look like news. You can even create a video that's not true. And if you can get someone to the point of moral outrage and convince that the politicians aren't doing anything, that you shouldn't trust the political process and you need to take it into your own hands and from the American point of view, be a cowboy. And we all grew up with cowboys, right? Cowboys are heroes and go get your gun and do something about it. So remember we had the guy that went to Pizzagate and he was going to rescue the kids that were supposedly in the basement. That was all internet based. Yeah. And well, this you know, is when he probably had good intentions. He, but he took a gun to a pizza parlor. Yeah, and I remember, you know, we've covered so many of these over the years, and uh, part of the partisan divide is that people look at what acts that oftentimes are insane, frankly, and they try to ascribe it to, oh, this is a right-wing lunatic or this is a left-wing lunatic as a way of sort of maligning an ideology they don't agree with. I remember there was a guy named Joe Stack who set his house on fire and then uh, gassed up his plane and crashed it into the IRS building in Austin, Texas, killing a grandfather who was at his desk 
working. And as it turns out, this guy had a, left behind a manifesto of screeds against the Catholic Church, against the Bush family, against America for not having socialized medicine, et cetera, et cetera. And everybody originally thought, oh, he's a right-wing nut. No, goes, no, now he's a left-wing nut. But the key word there really is not. And that's one of the problems is that we're trying to attach an ideology to aberrant behavior. I think um, when we had 9-11, everybody was talking about, are those terrorists mentally ill? How could they commit suicide and try to kill other people? But then people like me went out and interviewed, and I interviewed 800 terrorists and tons of would-be suicide terrorists and actual um, senders of suicide terrorists. And we found out they're not insane at all. Um, what they are is... Um, uh, they're convinced of an ideology, and they also get convinced that they personally need to do something, that the politicians aren't going to fix it. Yeah. And that's what's dangerous in America now. We could lose our democracy if enough people start to believe that. We could get a civil war. People are talking about civil war. No, it's very chilling. Apps. It's very chilling. Yeah. And, and you know, uh, Hannah Arnott, the author of the immortal banality of evil line the trial of Adolf Eichmann uh, you know she talked about the and I'm paraphrasing now the consequences of being fed a constant stream of lies isn't that you uh, believe a lie it's that you believe nothing and and that's one of the problems of the destruction of facts and the attack on truth is that it's we have a lot of people now have lost faith in all of the institutions. And then what do we do to try to organize a civil society? And I really appreciate you being with us, the International Center for the Study of Violent Extremism and Speckard. Thanks for being with us. Uh, all right, I ladies and gentlemen. Too. I have a book out. Uh, oh. It's called Homegrown Hate, and it's interviews of these kind of people. Uh, homegrown, homegrown Hate and Speckard, S-P-E-C-K-H-A-R-D. Thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate You're it. You're welcome. You're welcome. Okay. McIntyre in for John and Ken. Tomorrow, the brand new John Cobalt Show debuts right here at uh, KFI. You don't want to miss that from 1 to 4. Uh, we're going to talk more about the $700 million man, Shohei Otani, in just a bit. And, uh, hey, it's a nice country you got here. We, you know, uh, you wouldn't want to lose it, would you? Well, apparently, uh, Venezuela is threatening to grab a whole bunch of their neighboring Guyana's land. Uh, so we'll get into that. Uh, first, I'm just giving you a heads up so you can go find a map and find out where all these countries are, because I had to do the same thing. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, oh, by the way, I hope nobody caught anything from our previous, our guest we just had on the phone, Ann Speckhard, because there was a little... <laughs> Some of those seemed pretty wet, Deborah. I don't know. Yeah, if, I know. Uh, if she was here, I I would have been covering. Can my you imagine face. if Conway was here? Oh God, he no. would have filed an HR, uh, you know, complaint. Oh yeah. Eric, did she get any on you? No. Okay, thank good. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, she she needed a, the poor girl needed a lozenge. We need to we need to invent a cough button for for telephones. the guests. <laughs> exactly. Um, so the, the the these are these are uh, a bunch of stories broke that are kind of related when you look at the big picture. The president of Penn is out. Uh, president McGill, Liz McGill, uh, has been, she resigned, quote unquote, voluntarily, but basically she was given the, the boot uh, after her disastrous appearance before Congress, where she just couldn't answer uh, what should be morally a simple question. Is supporting genocide protected speech on your campus and basically she said well it depends and you can't tell uh, so she's out 
and the heat's on Harvard and MIT's presidents as well. Uh, meanwhile, uh, while she's out at Penn, Alex Jones is in at X, formerly Twitter. By the way, how long do we have to continue to call it formerly Twitter? I'm still calling it just Twitter. Because this is kind of like when Prince changed his name to the Squiggle. <laughs> yeah, and then he the became <laughs> the, the artist formerly known as Prince, which kind of still meant he was known as Prince. But nonetheless, it's technically X. Uh, by the way, how long is John Coble going to call it the John and Ken show? What's the over-under? Uh, I would say months and months and months. Yeah. Oh, I'm giving it at least a year. <laughs> yeah, and rightly so. Uh, anyway, so we've got these two stories. We've got the president of Penn is out, and we've got Alex uh, Jones, the loathsome Alex Jones, in back in on Twitter. Uh, and meanwhile, we've got the L.A. City Council is trying to uh, is looking at passing a law against the distribution of hate flyers. And this gets us to the subject of hate speech, because that's really what we're talking about. Alex Jones, I think most people would look at as a disseminator of hate speech and specifically uh, his infamous lie repeatedly told about Sandy Hook, the horrific massacre of children. And in, in, in Connecticut, uh, and and he went on day after day after day on his quote unquote show uh, to to spread a lie that it was a false flag operation, it was crisis actors, and it was all done by uh, libtards so that they could grab our guns. And he's been sued, and uh, huge judgments against him. And for some reason, well, we know the reason. Uh, Elon Musk considers himself a First Amendment absolutist. Uh, and that's a that's a position. But there, of course, are consequences for absolute anything because the Constitution doesn't offer you a protection on absolute free speech. And we all know the, the sort of the cliche, you can't shout uh, fire in a crowded theater. And this is where we get into a gray matter on these things, because and this was uh, the uh, the needle that uh, uh, the president of Penn was trying to thread. Uh, with her, well, it depends on what you're talking about with genocide, because, you know, as, a, as, as advocates of free speech, of course, the irony is, and this is why the hammer came so down, uh, came down so hard on her and the president of Harvard and MIT, is that Ivy League schools and many colleges and universities don't have uh, free speech as a priority. There's all kinds of things that can get you uh, in trouble or terminated from colleges and universities, if you use the wrong pronouns, if you uh, invite the wrong speaker, that speaker gets banned from campus by basically mobs who don't want, and they're mostly always conservatives, by the way, but not exclusively, but mostly always. So it, it was nonsensical for her to go before Congress and try to say that, you know, we believe in protecting free speech when they have all kinds of behavior codes that have uh, basically uh, criminalized speech, at least within the co campus uh, cool code of conduct. And uh, so Musk says that he's a free speech uh, absolutist. Uh, and I suppose he owns the platform. And if that's the kind of a platform he wants to have, good luck to you. But, you know, I, I, the first thing that came to mind when I saw that is, have you ever gone into, of course you have, you've gone into a little, you know, bodega or a 7-Eleven or a liquor store or something, a diner, and there's a sign that says no shoes, no shirt, no service. Okay? It's a private business. 
And they have a right to say, we're not discriminating against you on race, sexual orientation, et cetera, et cetera, the whole checklist. But we are saying that we've got some, you know, code of conduct requirements to be in this business. In other words, we choose not to take your money if you don't meet a certain criteria of behavior. And that is to protect the customers, to protect the staff, and maybe just to establish a uh, a standard of quality within the business itself to say we don't want to look like a place that's a flop house that looks like Skid Row. Meanwhile, what does this say about X slash Twitter slash Elon Musk that he's okay with having Alex Jones uh, using his platform to disseminate lies? I, I don't know why you would want that business. I really don't. I genuinely don't. But, I, of course, I, I don't understand a lot. I don't understand how people in 2023 and beyond, when you look at all the world's history, you can look at the history of mankind and the various ideologies, and you say, I think I'm going to sign up for neo-Nazi. Or, I, I, you know, I think that Joe Stalin and, uh, you know, I think that, uh, I think that, uh, you know, communism is probably the way we should go. You mean to tell me you could thumb through the encyclopedia and you could look at global history, world history, and that's what you're going to sign on for in 2023? Hey, knock yourself out. But if you're a commercial business, I don't know why you'd want it associated with your product. And that's what Elon Musk has chosen to do. Now, meanwhile, the L.A. City Council is considering a motion that would allow them to pass a law against hate flyers. And this is where it gets really complicated because when do you trod on free speech? With Elon Musk, it's his platform. He can do whatever he wants. Uh, Penn State, technically it's a state university, but a lot of private colleges will be making these, these uh, decisions with their private funds. The city council is the government. The government deciding certain speech isn't allowable. And that's where it gets constitutionally challenging. Okay. Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print? Or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back, no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at LegalShield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. Juan Gabriel. Juan Gis. Selena. Selena. Celia Cruz. Azúcar. Carol G. La Bichota. Christina Aguilera. Extina. Just to name a few. We're serving the whole story. From rags to riches. And all the tea in between. I'm Liliana Vasquez. And I'm Joseph Carrillo. And we're the host of Becoming an Icon Season 2. Guess who's back in the house? And we're bringing you even more stories behind the world's biggest stars in Latin music. Certified Latin royalty. Consider us your star sleuths, your chisme besties, digging beneath los mejores éxitos to bring you everything you didn't know about your favorite Latin icons. Hey, you know what, my boo? You're my favorite icon. Aw, Joseph. Listen to Becoming an Icon, part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the juicy. podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. You know, uh, obviously, there's a big war going on between Ukraine and Russia over a land grab that uh, Putin wanted Crimea. And then he wanted Donbass and a bunch of other provinces in uh, eastern Ukraine. Well, in our hemisphere, Venezuela is making a big land grab against Guyana. And we'll talk a little bit about that because... It's such a strange thing to watch unfold right before our eyes a second time uh, in these troubled years. Uh, but meanwhile, we had some amazingly good news, which is in a part of the country that loves stars, since we are Hollywood here, right? The Star Factory. Uh, the biggest star in American sports, Shohei Otani, a global superstar, uh, has decided to uh, keep his uh, home address in Southern California, just relocating slightly from the Angels to the Dodgers for the astonishing sum of $700 million. I mean, that is an astronomer's number. That's not it. That's not a salary. I, and you see, there's a, a million uh, memes have shown up already of people have done the math to break it down. And I think it comes down to something like $346,000 a game. Whether he plays or not, I mean, if you just calculate 10 years, 162 game schedule divided by 700 million, it's a staggering sum. It comes to $2.32 a second, 24 hours a day for 10 years. It's a staggering sum of money. They deferred a lot of the money, though. That's right. And we'll talk with David Vassay about that from uh, L.A. Uh, Sports AM 570, of course, covers the Dodgers. That's right, Eric. And here's where, you know, it's interesting. I'm a Met fan. and I, I was going to say, it's like Bobby Bonilla. That's exactly right. And every July 1st, the, the Met fans, <laughs> quote unquote, celebrate Bobby Bonilla Day, which is the day that the long-retired 
Bobby Bonilla still gets a million bucks from the Mets to not play for the Mets. And by the way, I don't know why Mets fans complain about this, because the way he played for the Mets, that's a good deal. I'd give him $2 million not to play for the team. Uh, and I think that that's one of the reasons why the Mets fans, well, the Mets fans are bitter for a lot of reasons. Uh, they're born bitter. But uh, he didn't pan out for the Mets. Uh, and who knows what will happen with Otani. Ball players get hurt. Everything can, you know, you never know. But based on talent, he's an unprecedented unicorn talent. That's the phrase that keeps coming up because there is nobody to compare to. The only one you can make a com uh, comparison to is Babe Ruth because he pitches. He's a superb pitcher and a superb uh, hitter, a base stealer, an outfielder. And, of course, Ruth could do all those things, too, although here's the difference. Otani's doing them concurrently. And Ruth basically stopped, he didn't basically, he stopped pitching after he was sold from the Red Sox to the Yankees and became just an outfielder and a hitter exclusively, whereas Otani wants to do both. Now, obviously, with his injury, his elbow injury and surgery at the end of last season, he's not going to be able to pitch uh, for the Dodgers this coming year. But going forward, everybody expects that he will. Now, is it a good deal? It's a great deal for baseball uh, because the Dodgers are one of the, pre I mean, with next to the Yankees, they're the preeminent franchise in, in the sport. They're a global, they're a global brand. They are a global brand. They were a global brand first, really, in a way. I mean, obviously Babe Ruth made the Yankees, uh, you know, a global brand to an extent, but the Dodgers foreign outreach, they were the first team to obviously integrate the team with Jackie Robinson. And they had a big outreach into uh, Central and South America, uh, and, of course, brought in Hideo Nomo and went to Asia to bring in players from Asia. So they have a high profile internationally. And now with Otani, I mean, there aren't that many empty seats at Dodger Stadium already that it's going to necessarily make a huge impact at the box office at Dodger Stadium at Chavez Ravine. But when you look at the global branding, the marketing opportunities, the uh, merchandise it's just it's it's unprecedented. Well, th think about this: the Angels had a deal with a Japanese television rights company, and they had a camera on Shohei Otani at all times, every single Angel game, and they broadcast it in Japan. So you got to imagine the Dodgers are going to have some sort of agreement with a Japanese television company as well. Absolutely, and I think every game that uh, Otani pitched for the Angels was must-see TV in Japan. And it's it's just, you know, it's the logical place for him to land. I know a lot of other teams, including the uh, uh, Blue Jays, the Yankees, the Giants, probably the Mets at some level, might have made a phone call or two. I don't think they took it very seriously. The Mariners were involved, The Mariners too. beginning uh, at the beginning of... Uh, uh, that's why, you know, the whole thing about, oh, boy, Dave... Dave Roberts really put his foot in it because he said that the Dodgers met with Otani and this could this could scotch the deal. Uh, no, I was going to be so mad if that was the case. Who's going to walk away from seven hundred million dollars <laughs> yeah, because exactly. Dave Roberts <laughs> said something that's so? First of all, it was true and it was obvious. Yeah. It's the obvious place for him to go now. With all of this said, and we'll get into the nuts and bolts of what it means and what's left. Is there enough meat left on the bones to get pitching, which the Dodgers do need, et cetera, et cetera. We'll do that with Vesse. But let me just take a moment to just hand a Kleenex. I got a whole box of Kleenex right here, and I'm going to grab one, not only to mop up the Diet Coke I just spilled on the table, but to offer this Kleenex to Angel fans. I mean, seriously. 
how how cursed do you feel today? You have Mike Trout, you had Shohei Otani, and you couldn't make the playoffs. And you've got this owner's going to sell the team, not going to sell the team. Goes all in last year and then ends up selling off half the players because after two weeks, he realizes, oh, we're not going to make the playoffs. Uh, and now you lose uh, one of the most uh, dynamic sports figures that the, any sport has ever seen. Uh, so uh, my condolences. And again, this is where I feel like I can sincerely wish condolences, a shoulder to cry on for Angel fans, because as a Met fan, I had to share a city with the Yankees. All right, you think you got it bad. Try being in the same. Red Sox fans always think, oh, you hate the Yankees. Yeah, you try living in the same city with them. <laughs> you know, well, and, and the Yankees the Mets, go and get, sign everybody. The Mets get a new tires for the bullpen cart. And the Mets this year, they signed a bunch of free agents and it, it failed spectacularly. It, it, they, they signed Verlander and Scherzer to like a gazillion dollars. And uh, I, I, I don't even think... Uh, they ended up trading them at the deadline. Yeah, they got rid of both of them, right. Which, would, by the way, was a smart thing to do because yes. they weren't going anywhere. They got a bunch of uh, young talent and maybe somebody there will will do well. But uh, no, some teams are cursed. There are cursed franchises. And I know right now there's a lot of Detroit Lion fans out there think this is our year. But you know, somebody's waiting to pull the rug out from under that team. It's too. already starting to happen. Yeah, no, it's sad. You can see it coming. The Jets, yeah, the Brooklyn Nets, oh boy, the Clippers... There's oh, a there's a yeah. bunch of teams that just you know they there's something went terribly wrong there's some bad karma attached to the franchise from the moment uh, from get go, but uh, the Angels are one of those they they made it once they got there in two thousand was it two thousand four or five two was it two yeah oh that's right four was I think the White Sox yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, so my condolences to the Angels. But we'll get into this with uh, David Vesse. And the deferred payments are very significant. Eric is exactly right about that because I think that they, you know, Otani didn't just want to go to the Dodgers. He wants to win the World Series. And he knows that if he sucks up $70 million a year for 10 years, there's not going to be a lot of meat left on the bones to get anybody else. And the Dodgers desperately need starting pitching. So apparently a lot of this money is deferred. We'll see if David can uh, tell us a little bit more about that coming up in the next hour. All right, McIntyre, in for John and Ken. This is the very last John and Ken broadcast tomorrow. KFI raises the curtain on the John Cobalt Show from 1 to 4. And obviously we will all be listening to that tomorrow and every single day for the rest of our lives. The way it should be. Uh, next hour, we're going to talk with Max Marshall. He wrote a book called Among the Bros, a fraternity crime story. And this is a whopper of a story. If you're about to send your little darlings off to college, you don't want to miss this. Because if you think uh, college is a minefield with all of the uh, behavior codes and speech laws and wokeness, et cetera, et cetera, and the, you know, tolerating uh, calls for genocide, wait till you hear the details of this story. Whew. And, of course, David Vasse will get into uh, the whole Shohei Otani story uh, with the Dodgers correspondent at our sister station, uh, L.A. Sports, AM uh, 570. Also, I uh, want to encourage you, by the way, if you're looking for last-minute Christmas gifts, you know I have a book. I don't know if I've only told you this six or 700 times, but my novel Frank's Shadow is in stores, and it's at Amazon.com and uh, BarnesandNoble.com. And you can even get signed copies at DougMcIntyre.com if you wish. Or you can get to, get it right there in one of them brick-and-mortar stores like uh, Bookstar in Studio City or Pages in Manhattan Beach. David K. Books out there in Woodland Hills, where we were Saturday, by the way. I got to meet a whole bunch of you, so thanks so much for coming out. All right. Now, uh, 
I don't really know where Guyana is. Apparently, it's next to Venezuela. And I kind of know where Venezuela is. There's a whole bunch of countries that I really don't know where they are. I saw this article uh, last week, a country called Guinea-Bissau. And I didn't know where that was either. Uh, that's in Africa. And the reason I'm telling you about this country that I don't know anything about is because their president said something that is one of the greatest quotes since uh, Baghdad Bob. Remember him saying, what? What attacks? And meanwhile, over his shoulder were, uh, during the first Gulf War. This guy says the president, his name is Omaro Sioko Mbalo. He issued a decree last Monday dissolving the nation's opposition-controlled parliament less than six months after it was reconstituted following a similar move by him in 2022. And he said that last week's shootout between troops loyal to him and forces controlled by the parliament, he described as a failed coup. Now, here's what makes this great. So there's, the army is cut down the middle. Some of the troops are loyal to him. They get into a shootout with troops loyal to the parliament he just dissolved. And here's what I love about it. He said, everything is okay. It's going well in Bissou. Sounds like it, right? <laughs> the army, the parliament's army is in a shootout with the president's army, and he says everything's going okay? Then what's a bad day like? Well, here's a bad day if you're in Guyana. Their giant neighbor, Venezuela, has you know, Nicolas Maduro, who is the president of Venezuela, has just decided to open up drilling, oil drilling and exploration in Guyana without any permission from Guyana to do so. Apparently, uh, the president of, uh, of Guyana, his name is, uh, what's his name again? His name is Ali. And he told the Associated Press that his government is searching out allies and regional partners, some of which Guyana has defense agreements with, to protect their oil region, which makes up two-thirds of the country. We take this threat very seriously. Should Venezuela proceed to act in this reckless uh, adventure, the region will have to respond. And apparently, uh, President Nicolas Maduro of Venezuela said that he would immediately grant operating licenses for exploration and exploitation in uh, Guyana and ordered the creation of local subsidiaries of Venezuelan's public companies, including their oil giant PDVSA and mining conglomerate uh, Corporación Venezuela de Guyana. So they're just grabbing land. Now, isn't this exactly what created a big, ugly war between Russia and the Ukraine when the Russians, uh, Putin, decided that he wanted to have uh, the Crimean Peninsula and then uh, a year or so later started to grab off the Donbass region and the other eastern provinces of the Ukraine? And now we've got uh, Zelensky is coming in to meet with Biden again to get more billions so they can continue that war. Uh, it, it is astonishing that at this late date, the land grab still goes on. Of course, land and who owns what land and who has the uh, historic claim and the moral claim to land is what uh, is uh, animating the horrible violence that uh, took place on 10-7 and uh, the Israeli response after those horrific murders. So, uh, you know, it gets back to that old country, the no country for old men line where I drink your milkshake. That's exactly what Venezuela is trying to do. Venezuela, as you know, is an economic catastrophe right now, which is why so many Venezuelans are showing up at our southern border and then being waved across. It's a, it's a mess.
And I guess uh, Maduro thinks that one of the uh, ways he can solve his economic problems is simply grab two-thirds of the resources of his neighbor's uh, neighboring country, which is Guyana. Now, the big question here is, what do we do? Ever since the Monroe Doctrine, remember, we kind of close the uh, hemisphere. We say this is our region of, uh, of interest, and that's what the Monroe Doctrine meant, was telling the Brits and the Spanish and the other colonial powers, uh, don't get your mitts, get your mitts off of uh, South America because the Western Hemisphere is now the American sphere of influence. By the way, it's pretty arrogant of us to say that. We really couldn't enforce it back in, you know, 1812, but nonetheless. The bottom line is that we seem to always get dragged into everything. And uh, while we're trying to figure out how to, uh, you know, bring some kind of stability and successful conclusion to the Ukraine-Russian war uh, without Putin uh, gobbling up a big portion of his neighbor and then threatening additional neighbors, including Poland, a NATO nation, uh, and then the Hamas-Israeli situation, now we've got another border dispute in our hemisphere. And uh, what seems to be inevitable is that we end up getting caught in the middle of these things. And I, I don't know that uh, I, I don't know that we've got the taste for another one. But certainly what seems to be the case is uh, Nicolas Maduro has a taste for his neighbor's natural resources. OK, coming up next hour, Max Marshall will be here. He's going to tell us the story of the, Carl, uh, the College of Charleston, one of the most beautiful, often described as America's most beautiful campus. But what was going on there was anything but beautiful. So if you've got uh, uh, a son or a daughter who's about to start college or in college, you might want to listen up for this. And we'll have much more on Elon Musk's decision to return Alex Jones to Twitter, as well as the dismissal of the president, or the resignation, I should say. Uh, but let's face it, she, did she jump or was she pushed of the uh, uh, Claudine Gay, the president of, uh, uh, of Penn? So we've got all of these things to get into uh, in the next hour. Right now, let's get into the very latest headlines. And here in the uh, KFI 24-hour newsroom is Deborah Mark. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Tura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts carol g juan gabriel christina aguilera what do these three have in common you mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct. But most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.